Truth is, as you saw in that little video, all of us have baggage. And it comes in different shapes and sizes, and sometimes it's pink with polka dots, and sometimes it's that 1970s kind of retro baggage that you're hiding in your closet for fear of bringing it out again. I don't know, but we all have baggage. Some of it you got when you were really, really young, and you've been carrying that baggage with you for a long time. Some of the baggage you've just picked up in the last few years because of things that have happened to you. The truth is, we encourage you not to sit back and kick up your heels and say, oh, this message isn't for me today. The truth is, we all have baggage because we all have stories. We all have stories. The stories, the pages of our lives, we all have memories, we all have circumstances, things that have influenced our lives that have molded us and shaped us into who we are today. And so we all have baggage because we all have stories. And so the ultimate question is, what have you done with yours? What have you done with yours? So if you've spent any time at a a baggage claim uh, at an airport, you know that that there's bags kind of like this that are just sort of lying around all over the place. You're at the baggage claim and the thing's going round and around, and uh, you're there, and um, it was, uh, when you you go to uh, a baggage claim, it can be quite a a tripping hazard, especially if you're what, what I'll call the stud muffin. Now, some of you might be going, who's this stud muffin? I, I've, I don't know him. I've never met him. Well, I have because that stud muffin is me. I know. I know. It's hard to believe. But uh, back in the day, uh, before I just uh, became not cool anymore, um, I was a stud muffin, and I was 16. I think all 16-year-old boys are stud muffins, or at least they think they are. Um, but I was 16. We'd just gotten back from a family vacation, and we're at a baggage claim. And it was that moment when I was getting my suitcase, and I looked up, and she looked up. And there was this cute as could be, like, 15 or 16-year-old girl that was getting her baggage as well. And I looked up, and she looked up, and we locked eyes, and it was love, I mean, infatuation at first sight. And we just looked at each other, and it was like this Hollywood moment, and we started walking towards each other, and we just had all these, you know, all these things going on and googly in our eyes and everything. And the music came down, and, and the lights came down, and it was this Hollywood moment, and I was locking in. This was the true love of my life, and then all of a sudden I hear... Jonathan, it's time to leave. Yes, mother, you're talking to the stud muffin. I'm making my move. Just a moment. So I'm trying to be cool, and I'm backing up, backing up to where the rest of my family is, and I'm waving, and we're giggling, and all this stuff. And little do I know, there is a giant pile of suitcases directly behind me. So I'm kind of sashaying backwards like this, and all of a sudden, I just go boom, and I run into it. There's 50, 75 people standing around. My feet go up. The rest of my body follows, and I am laying face or face up, actually, in this huge pile of suitcases, and there are all these amused travelers looking at me and go, oh, how does it feel now, you stud muffin, right? Maybe not so cool anymore. And of course, her and all her little teenage girlfriends, you know, they're giggling, all that stuff. (laughs) Woof, right? Because the truth is, sometimes our baggage gets in the way. Sometimes our baggage gets in the way, not just of flirting, with the teenage girl, sometimes our baggage gets in the way of you and I experiencing the life and the freedom that Jesus has for us. And opposed to the baggage where we try to, the baggage claim where we try to get all all of it back, the Apostle Paul reminds us over and over again through his letters and specifically in the book of Galatians, he says in chapter 5, and he's speaking to all of us, he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. 
And we talk about all that time when we throw that around as this Christian word. What does it really mean to be free? And Paul says, not just kind of free, not just sort of free, but really free. The kind of freedom that's not partial, that you can just kind of keep one hand on it and then have one hand free. No, for this kind of freedom, you're going to need both hands. Free from a life of guilt and shame and fear and addiction and the destructive habits and the free of sin that Paul later says so easily entangles us or leaves us in a heap of luggage on the floor. This is the kind of freedom that you're going to need two hands for. And so it's our prayer today as we unpack this a little bit is that we're not just going to tell you a few stories about Celebrate Recovery and how God is working through that. But our prayer is that God would have the time and the space here this morning in your life and in your heart to speak to you about whatever he wants to about what might be in your suitcase. And you actually might be surprised about what you find there. So maybe it's time to visit the Hope Des Moines baggage claim and see what we find and start sorting through our luggage today. I think it's really important as we dive into our hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we do some myth-busting about recovery, what it is, what it isn't, what you could expect on a Thursday night at Celebrate Recovery. And so I'd kind of like to ask, how many of you have ever seen the show on TV called Mythbusters? Anyone? Yeah, quite a few of you. Well, for those of you who haven't, the premise of the show is basically two crazy guys uh, basically take a myth that we've all heard and they try to prove it wrong. And so today we're not going to blow anything up or start any fires. (laughs) Sorry, John. But we are going to just try to bust some myths about what you might believe about recovery. So when I think about this and I hear the care director get up and say, we're going to talk about our feelings, or a pastor gets up and says, you've got issues, you've got problems, Uh, welcome to Hope, you've got issues, just turn to your neighbor and say, you've got issues. Okay, good. For some of you, that was really easy. Spouses, don't have too much fun with that, please. Um, We've all got issues. And the first thing that comes to my mind, the first myth that needs to be busted when a pastor stands up and says, you've got issues, well, the first thing is, is if I were you, I'd want to stand up and say, hey, John and Colette, you've got issues too. And we do. And we've already got that out of the way, so we're all on the same page. But the, the first myth that I think needs to get busted is that um, God, God really has this sense of humor, I think, at times like this. And when we start to unpack our suitcases, I start to think, oh, recovery, or I hear celebrate recovery. And I know that's that one program. That's that one class for the people that really have issues, for the people that are really messed up. You know, the people that struggle with people that struggle with drugs and the people that struggle with alcohol. I don't have any issues that couldn't possibly be about me. There's nothing in my suitcase. I've unpacked it all. So why do the rest of us need recovery? Chances are there might be a few more things in our suitcase than we realize. After starting the Celebrate Recovery Ministry almost three years ago, I am surprised to find out actually that one, only one in three people that come through the doors on Thursday nights actually have a drug or alcohol addiction. So that tells me that there's a whole bunch of other people with a whole bunch of other issues. And so why do the rest of us need recovery? As John said, Honestly, about now, especially in this new environment, I'd like to unpack my, my personal favorite, and that's fear and anxiety. 
I think it's quite funny that God would put someone like me up here in front of all of you. You know, that's kind of, kind of what he does sometimes, but enough about my junk. I'd like to unpack some stuff with you um, together in regard to recovery and what might you have in your suitcase. So I'm going to, it's going to be an interesting little <laughs> microphone. Thank you. Nice suitcase. Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah. It's been through a few baggage claims. So, most of us, calendar maybe, I don't know, we've gone digital, so a lot of people, maybe the younger folks, wouldn't even know what this is. This is a calendar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, anyone younger than me. Wow. (laughs) This is a calendar, we write on it. Anyway, a lot of us have issues with control. We fill our calendars jam-packed full. We have a to-do list that goes on forever. Our homes are neat and tidy. And I know I feel much better when my kitchen counter is clean and everything's put away. However, we fool ourselves into thinking that if everything is in order, our families, our schedules, our lives, that we have nothing to fear. Right? Some of us actually get addicted to the busyness and the orderliness of life. We can almost feel the anxiety creeping in when an opening comes up in our calendar. Well, if we dig a little deeper, we might find something like this. Everybody has one of these at home. Maybe some of us too many. I think it's an interesting statistic that I came across that the average woman in her lifetime spends three years in front of one of these. Okay, I see you guys smiling. (laughs) But it applies to you too. Three years in front of the mirror. Not three hours, three years. And the scary thing is for most of us during that time in front of that mirror, men and women included, we're fighting those thoughts that are in our head that say we're not good enough, we're not attractive enough, we're not thin enough. What's the point? Why even try? No one could love me. And the truth of the matter is, a lot of the pain doesn't come from the outside and what people think about us. It is more that internal, di- internal dialogue that happens and the lies that we believe, isn't it? So then, diving a little deeper, I find this contraption quite interesting all of the things that uh, they create in this world for us to carry our debt. This is a credit card holder. Pick a card, any card. You know, it's interesting to me that Jesus spoke more about money in the Gospels than he did heaven or hell. Why do you think that is? Probably because he knew that we would struggle with this. Maybe... Someone today has gambled away a life savings. Or maybe it's someone who is just caught up in the things that money can buy. We live in a world of instant gratification and we are always wanting more. So no wonder most of us feel that we can never have enough. So I was going to fill up my U-Haul and bring in all my scrapbooks because... But I just decided to bring (laughs) one photo album for y'all. 
most of us have photo albums, and they are full of wonderful memories, right? Well, actually, for a lot of us, they're just a reminder of the pain that we carry all the way from our childhood. Maybe it was the alcoholic mother or the abusive father or your family that just was emotionally unavailable for you. Regardless of what it was, you have carried it for way too long. And it has affected your life and your relationships in ways you can't even imagine. So finally... That's the heavy one. Yeah, it is. This could be interesting. I just have to throw it over my shoulder. Chains. Chains of addiction. To surrender oneself to something obsessively or habitually is what Webster defines addiction to be. In Christian terminology, addiction can be defined as the idolization of an object or a subject or a substance that you place higher than God in your life. And guess what? We are not the first ones to deal with addiction. Scripture tells us that there are so many that struggled and overcame. But today, right now, there is someone whose marriage is falling apart because of a pornography addiction. Maybe it's the prescription pain medication that you just can't stop taking, or the food that you continue to eat to numb the pain. We strive to feel good at all costs. And maybe it's not even you. Maybe it's someone you love whose addiction is killing you. In fact, 1 John calls us to simply be honest with ourselves. Honest with ourselves and before God. So let's read this together from 1 John 1.8. If, if we claim we, we have, have no sin, we are, we are only fooling, fooling ourselves and not living in the, in the truth. truth. This is the stepping out of denial part. We are all in need of recovery. So no matter what might be in your suitcase today, that doesn't have to be the final word on you. That is not the end of the story because of the Savior we worship, who says we each can be free. So I'm guessing that as Colette went through those different things in the suitcase, that myth is sufficiently busted for you. There's a few more things going on than you might think that might be in your suitcase. But another assumption, another myth that I believe that needs to get busted is, is one that you may not think, is that as Christians, as when we start following Christ and we start worshiping on a regular basis, and um, maybe you got connected in a small group here at Hope Des Moines, and maybe you participated in our, in our outreaches to the city, and you're doing all these things, and you're busy for God, you're still carrying your luggage, and it does really, truly get in the way, because we assume, well, it's just so much a part of who I am, it's just normal. It's not the normal that you were created for. So we say things, well, like, of course things are going great with God. I mean, I got a good job. Uh, I love my spouse. I have wonderful friends. I have a great church. Things are going really, really well. And God says, whoa, when are you going to slow down and let's unpack that together and go through that one thing at a time? 
For many of us, we have lots of friends, and I'm not just talking about Facebook friends. A lot of us have tons of friends. We have this whole community. We have this whole group of people around us. You have all these friends that know everything about you except the truth. And that's the reality that some of us live in today, is that we think people know everything about us, but there's those things that are underneath the surface that are the true driving forces of why we are the way we are in our lives. I think the myth is that ultimately some of our struggles, some of the things we deal with in our lives, some of the pain, well, people don't really need to know about those things. I mean, I can hide them from God, right? Because God's not here. He's up in the clouds somewhere and I can really hide things from God. And especially those friends, man, if they found out, that would be terrible. And so the myth that needs to get busted is that some of these things that are in our suitcase are better just kept private. But I have a feeling that's not exactly the way it works either. There is no denying that it takes courage to open that suitcase and admit that we're not perfect. Most of us spend our lives trying to keep it packed away, zipped up and and contained. We've spent a lot of time and energy on that to control our issues. Imagine, however, what happens when day after day, hurt after hurt, your suitcase just doesn't zip anymore. You can't even sit on it to get it closed. And then it pops open unexpectedly and causes even a bigger mess. Celebrate recovery, and we really pray hope as a church community are safe places that you can be real, talk about real problems without judgment. God gives us the strength to do that, and it's truly what takes place here every week during the Breakfast Club ministry that meets in the cafeteria as well as Celebrate Recovery, where 250 brothers and sisters in Christ have gone before you, uh, among them many teens who attend the landing, a teen version of Celebrate Recovery. We find growth and healing together through fellowship and worship and small groups. It's literally church in action. Through groups, I have seen unbelievable forward movement People not getting stuck, but helping one another move forward, keeping each other accountable. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We have tried on our own. I have tried on my own over and over again. And we cannot find freedom alone. There's strength in community. And as we hear said around hope, So many times, we are truly better together, not just in the good times, but also when we have nowhere else to turn. And so it seems to me like the final myth that might need to get busted today might not be exactly what you think either, is that so many of you have started that process of going to your suitcase, opening it up, starting to unpack some of those things that are inside. You've decided to get honest and to invite other people into your life. And whether you're involved with one of Hope's recovery groups right now or not, or chances are for some of you that are sitting here today, there's a friend or there's a family member, and they're the ones that are weighing heavy on your heart today. But the truth is that a lot of us, as we start to unpack some of those things, and, and the truth is, is that, that God's spirit is alive and it's moving and it's working here at Hope Des Moines, we can almost treat Sundays like this fake 
mountaintop experience where we go and we say, well, God is really there at Hubble Elementary, and God is really there at Hope Ankeny, and God is really there at the church building in West Des Moines. And here's the myth that we believe. If I can just spend enough time in that program, if I can just get in that Bible study or that small group, oh, or better yet, if I can find that Christian that really has it all together, the one that's really got their ducks in a row spiritually, if I just spend enough time with them, they'll fix me, right? We think that. And so we kind of think we can just dump all of our stuff into these programs and say, if I can just get to celebrate recovery, then that program will fix me. But I don't think that's exactly how it works either. Be nice if it was that easy, right? <laughs> if the expectation is you just walk in, dump off your baggage, and wash your hands of it, I'm afraid it isn't that easy. Healing and recovery take work, but the blessing is you don't have to do it alone. Whether it's joining us here for Breakfast Club on Sundays or one of the many Christian step studies or support groups that happen throughout the week, Our purpose here is to gently and lovingly walk alongside you as you unpack your suitcase one thing at a time and leave it at the cross. We are not here, however, to fix one another, as John said. Oftentimes we look to one another to take it from us. But honestly, Acts 4.12 reminds us there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. You see, it's not about a program, it's not about a church, it's not about a class, it's not about other Christians, although God uses all of those things. It's because of him that we find restoration and transformation. It is uh, really all about him. It didn't take me long to be around hope when I first started three years ago, and and my office is in the the building there in West Des Moines, and uh, I was walking around, and I walked into the worship center for the first time, and the first thing I noticed was just the massive cross that was up in front of the worship space. If any of you have ever been out there, um, you'll know what I mean. And so I looked at him, and was like, wow, that is a massive cross. Or, as my eight-year-old nephew would say, as I walked him in there a few weeks ago, and he looked up, and it was the first thing he saw, and as only an eight-year-old can say, he goes, Whoa, John, that's a honking huge cross. (laughs) And it is a honking huge cross, but what matters is not the size of the cross. Whether it's a honking huge cross or a medium-sized cross or a smaller cross, what matters is that on that cross, on the cross, our Savior died. A Savior who has a honking huge amount of grace for every single one of us today, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what your past is, what your history is, what you're going through right now. It's the kind of grace that says, I love you just as you are, but I refuse to leave you that way. And so it seems to me like maybe the final myth that needs to get busted today is that somehow when we start unpacking our suitcase, we're going to unpack a lot of guilt and fear and shame and condemnation from the past. And we start to believe the lie that somehow all those things that have happened to us, that they somehow disqualify us from grace. Maybe you're like me and maybe you've just thought this in the quietness of your own heart or when you're alone with God in your room. I mean, how many chances do I get to run back to the cross for forgiveness, right? Does anybody ever think that? Like, is God just over there going, 
well, gee whiz, John, that's the third time you've had to ask for forgiveness today. Get it together, man, right? Do you ever think that? How many, do, do, I, do I run out of chances to get forgiveness? What if you believed that the very things that you think disqualify you from being good enough? What if you believe that the very things that you think disqualify you from ever being used again by God in a positive way are actually the very things that qualify you to get you back on that journey, to get you back into that place of grace. That would change everything. You see, if you've seen anything over the past few months during our summer sermon series, going through the New Testament and previously the Old, before that, I hope you didn't see a bunch of flawless heroes I hope you didn't get the impression that God is looking for people without tears in their jeans, without a few scars, a few hurts, habits, or hang-ups. And if that's the case, that's not the story that you hold in front of you today. Instead, as I look at Scripture, it is really hard to find many Bible heroes who did not fail, who did not struggle, who did not have their own baggage. I mean, think about it. Our first parents, Adam... And his wife, Eve, had a little issue with temptation. (laughs) And together, they loved to hide their sin from God. Noah, the only righteous man at the time, preached for 120 years without one convert. Moses, who led thousands out of captivity, was said to be the worst public speaker ever. He had a stuttering problem. Elijah, who actually talked with God, was said to battle serious depression. Jonah, the great prophet, refused to obey God. And Peter, the rock of the church, had the worst temper. Are you sensing a theme? If you can relate, well, then you're in good company with many of those we would call the heroes of the faith. And so it seems to us that if God was looking for people that are the cream of the crop, he would have stayed as far away from as many of these people that we lift up as Bible heroes as physically possible. But yet what we see is that throughout Scripture, it's the broken, it's the imperfect individuals with deficiencies and checkered pasts that God chooses. He calls them out and he says to them, Oh man, you are so so underestimating what I can do in and through you. Folks, God is in the redeeming business, and business is good. Amen? Amen. That is the truth for every single one of us today. So the question that we want you to wrestle with for the rest of today, and maybe it's going to take you a while to wrestle with it, is if our story, if God's story, is full of characters who refuse to let their baggage define them, then why should we? What if we as a church started to look at recovery? What if we looked at recovery not as a certain program where some people, where certain people go, and we started looking at recovery as a reality where every single one of us live? That would change everything. What if we as a family, as a body of Christ here today, as we saw each other walk in those doors every single week, what if we had the mindset that this is truly a hospital for sinners rather than a museum for shiny and polished saints? 
I hope that you're not here today because you think you're good enough. I hope that you're not here today because you think you've, you deserve to be here. Because none of us do. I don't. Colette doesn't. None of us do. It is by the grace of God that we are here today. So where do we begin? How do we start that process of unpacking, you might ask? Well, I think it starts by simply coming clean, by admitting that there's more going on inside than just that we can see in ourselves. And since I'm sort of in that reflective mood, I'll share with you another quick story about those brilliant teenage years that I had. Uh, It was the day of my first fall vocal concert as a freshman in high school. And does anybody remember being a freshman in high school? Anybody? That glorious time in your life where your body's changing and hair's growing and your voice is going up and down. um, That was my issue. I didn't know if I was a soprano or a second bass. I couldn't tell. Uh, But it was the day of my first fall vocal concert, and uh, I'd had a busy day. I put in a full day at school. uh, I lifted some weights for sports afterwards. Um, I mowed a couple lawns because I had this awesome lawn care business that was going to make me a millionaire. And um, that's my default profession right now. And... um, So by the time I got to the fall vocal concert, I was exhausted. I was drained, and I was actually feeling a bit lightheaded. So probably the worst thing that I could do at that point is stand up on a large stage in front of a whole bunch of people on a hot stage in a stuffy choir robe for a couple hours, which is exactly what I did. Now, if any of you have been ever married, you know this truth. I didn't know it then, but I know it now. If you're going to be standing up on a stage in front of a large group of people and you happen to be in the front row for a couple hours, probably the worst thing that you could do is lock your knees, right? Lock, don't lock your knees. That's what every single pastor and wedding planner will tell you. Don't lock your knees, which is exactly what I did for a couple hours. And so we're about three-fourths of the way through the concert and I start to feel a little bit lightheaded. And so my, my uh, music teacher, the conductor, is as she's conducting, I am dead center, front row in front of the entire school, and as she's directing, my music teacher looks at me with these eyes of panic, and her eyes get really beady and open, and as best she can, while directing, she mouths these words to me, John, sit down. She wanted to make sure to get my attention, so I'm like, what is going on? Why do I need... So in that moment, I had two choices. I could be try to be strong and tough and be the man and say, oh, I don't need to sit down and I would risk the, the domino effect with the rest of the choir. I fall back and then all the way back. Or, or I could admit that I have a problem. And so I sat down right in front of the entire school on the front row of the, of the uh, risers. And I just sat like this the rest of the concert. And everybody looked at me. And let me tell you, it was a good thing that I sat down because afterwards I talked to my music teacher and she goes, John, did you know that you were turning green? Like that's not usually a good thing. And she said you were swaying and we're, we're not a swing choir or anything like that, right? <laughs> You're swaying back and forth. So it's a good thing to sit down because sometimes you just got to sit down. Sometimes you got to sit down and admit that you have issues. All of us do. Maybe it's time for you and I to admit we're not as strong as we think we are. 
to sit down and stop pretending. Not because you're turning green today, but to sit down and stop pretending because you're running to the television and you're running to the internet to fill those wounds and that baggage of the past. Maybe it's time to sit down and stop pointing fingers at judgment and say, alcoholic, drug addict, alcoholic, alcoholic, and start looking at yourself and say, maybe I'm a workaholic. And it's hurting and it's killing my family just the same because I'm working 80, 70, 80 hours a week and I never see my wife and kids. Maybe it's time we start looking inside our own suitcase to sit down long enough to invite another trusted friend into our life, to sit down and be with me. Which is exactly what Jesus says to Matthew or Levi in our scripture reading for today. They're all gathered around there where our scripture says a bunch of sinners... You know, those people, not us, those people. And nobody wants to be near them. They're the scum of the earth. Nobody wants to hang out with them. Nobody wants to be associated with them. Nobody wants to be near them except our Savior, who's there with them. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, get mad at him and they say, Jesus, why are you hanging out with tax collectors and sinners? And they are indignant, to which Jesus responds. And I want us to read this together on the screen. This is what Jesus responds to them. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So often you and I scramble about trying to get clean in the sink when God has invited us to jump in the ocean of his grace. Sit down and be with me, Jesus says, and let me remind you of why I came today. To sit down right in the middle of your mess and offer you grace. And we believe that one of the best places to do that at Hope is through the Celebrate Recovery ministry and what we see take place here every single week in Breakfast Club as we hear story after story after story of transformation. Celebrate Recovery and the Breakfast Club is full of transformed lives and there's just not enough time this morning to share with you all of the amazing stories that we have seen. But I would like to bring someone up here that is a familiar face to most of you, a member here at Hope Des Moines and a leader in Breakfast Club. Please welcome Kurt Sheriff. Kurt, can you... Um, Tell us a little bit about the insanity of your life before recovery. Well, I had to have uh, some notes made because Colette sent me the uh, questions so that I have an idea what to say. (laughs) I'm really nervous, so bear with me. (laughs) Uh, My life before recovery was uh, pretty chaotic. Uh, uh, As my business was going under, I poured every dime, every dime. I had hoping to overcome the debts uh, lost my home living up my business lost it all thanks Kurt how did you then get into recovery and how has it helped you Uh, I started recovery as a requirement uh, for the, from the Door of Faith program that I was taking there. Uh, as my faith grew, I realized that Celebrate Recovery is not just for alcohol. 
drug addicts for everybody and anybody. Uh, each and every, every human has an addiction, uh, whether it be potato chips like Pastor Mike showed us that one day or trying to keep from eating a marshmallow. You know, it can be anything. Uh, the choices we make in our life determines the severity of our problem. Uh, I have learned to adjust my choices with God. And uh, I guess that's it. Well, for those of us who have known you, we have seen a huge uh, shift and change and transformation in your life. And uh, just wondering how you would describe yourself now and what your relationship with Christ is like. This gets a little tough. Uh, I pretty much had to give my whole life up. Uh, you think you got it all in the bag. You don't. Uh, my life today is serenity. I'm at peace with God. I love to serve God through the church here and celebrate recovery. And I'm a firm believer in Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God for that. Mm -hmm. um, how about one thing you tell any of us who are going, hmm, I don't know, recovery? Is recovery really for all of us? And, uh, you know, we're questioning why we would really need it. What would you say to somebody new that's kind of struggling with that? Well, one thing Colette and, and says every week out at Celebrate Recovery is, Give it three chances. Uh, just because you go out there and, and try it once, may not be, you may not get it the first time. Try it three or four times. It'll come. Uh, in some respects, we all need it. Uh, you know, we've all wronged somebody. We've all done something wrong. Uh, we've all been hurt by another person. So, therefore, Celebrate Recovery comes in very handy for those situations. Uh, have you ever said you're sorry to that person that you might have hurt? You know, that's, that's a big one. Uh, check my notes here. Uh, this is, that's only a, a part of Celebrate Recovery. There's like a, a 12 principles, 12 steps that you go through out there. Uh, vitally important to do each one of them. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, your choices are the ones that, the things that put you there. How you treat those choices, how you handle those choices are the, are the, uh, and it makes a, di it makes a big, huge difference in the way that you, uh, look at life. I mean, it's just, it's, it makes a huge change in your life. Uh, what has happened to me could have happened to anyone here. I mean, you may think you've got the world by the tail, you've got money in your pocket, you've got doing great, business is going great, could all go down. Heartbeat. Uh, it's all up to God. 
and whatever he wants for you to do with your life. When I was talking to Kurt prior to, um, prior to, prior to doing this today, he had actually uh, shared a scripture with me that he thought was pretty relevant and pert- pertinent, and he asked that um, I share that with you guys today. And so I'm going to do that as we wrap up this portion. It's from Second Peter. Um, By his divine power... God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. I would like to take a minute to just um, thank Kurt and praise God for what he has done in Kurt's life. Everybody. I'm going to skip the video. I'll just take it. Okay. Praise God for stories of transformation. And I want you to know that that's just one of many, and that's not something that's canned. That's about as real as real can get. That's your family. Stories like that are around you here every single week and the people that sit around you. Stories where the weight just got a whole lot lighter because of a Savior who meets us right in the middle of our mess. Not just when we're at the high points of our lives, but when we have that baggage and we don't think that we can carry it any longer. You see, there's this lie, there's this myth in Christianity that says somehow to be in a relationship with God, well, you got to have it all together. You got to have all your ducks in a row. You got everything figured out. But the scriptures speak exactly against this sort of thing. There's actually an instance where Jesus himself says, come to me, all of you, no matter what you have going on in your life. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest from your weariness. Now, you might not have been listening to anything that I've just said because you're just like, John, whatever is in those things, which there is something kind of heavy in here, uh, would you just let it go already? Some of you are like, John, why are you putting yourself through this already? Just drop it for pity's sakes. Would you just let it go? And I wonder if that's what your Savior says to you today. Just let it go. Start taking that journey towards 
the cross with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. One step at a time and experience that freedom and let it go. Not by your own strength because you can't do this on your own. Not because you're good enough, but because he is good enough. Because he's already done the performing for you. Because his grace is more than enough for you today. And he says, would you just let it go already? Would you just drop it? Would you just let it Just let it go and feel the embrace and the love of a Savior who says, I accept you just where you are and I refuse to leave you that way. Folks, that is the image of what Celebrate Recovery is all about. That is the image of who we've been called to be as Lutheran Church of Hope. That's the image of what's going to happen later today when we baptize a whole bunch of people because some things are going to die and some new things are going to come to life and they're the people that are sitting around you today. Jesus says you are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come and that baggage does not have to define you anymore. Anymore. Just let it go. Because as Paul says, for that kind of freedom, you're going to need two hands free. Let's stand together.